0: Well, if I could get the dads to stand up, we're going to call you fellas out. All right. Come on now, give those fellas a hand. There we go. There we go. Well, we won't embarrass you for too long, but I just want to say a prayer over you. So if you're around a dad, just extend your hand or faith, and let's pray over these dads. Dear God, we thank you for the gift of fathers in our life. We thank you that you are the greatest father ever, Abba, Father, and we know that you cover us in your great love. We pray for your blessing, favor, and strength over every father in this room, for those who are seeking to walk closely with you in this dark world. We ask for you, for them, for renewed courage, for your boldness, for your spirit to fill them. Make them always aware and alert of the schemes of the enemy. We ask that you would keep their footsteps firm and guard their way. We ask that you would help them to always stand strong, to be men of faith, to say no to what is wrong and yes to what is right. We ask that you would fill their hearts with love, compassion, joy, faithfulness, and cover their lives with great peace. Lord, we pray that you would raise up mighty men, godly men in this generation who would know you and honor you with their entire lives. We pray that they would stand firm in the faith, walk wisely, and follow hard after you. May they grow in their love and passion for you, for their families, and in the calling to follow you above all else. Thank you for dads who fight for their families, who do battle in prayer over those they love. Thank you, God, for these men and hold fast to them today. We choose to immerse our lives in you, God, the greatest father ever. And we know that you are with us always, and cover us with your power and your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, dads, for me and mighty men. All right. Well, welcome to City Life. Happy Father's Day. Happy Juneteenth as well, if you celebrate the Juneteenth. Uh, But if you're joining us, we're in the middle of a series looking through these seven letters that the Apostle John wrote in the scariest book of the Bible, Revelation, it's a book that people uh, intentionally don't read because it's very confusing. There's a lot of symbols and analogies and metaphors, and it's really easy to get lost in a book like this. But at the very beginning, John uh, writes seven letters to seven churches, and it's just two chapters of Revelation. That's what we're focusing on. It's about 65 years after Jesus was crucified and resurrected. So this is a good generation and a half after a lot of these churches started. So uh, let me pray before we start. God, thank you for the chance to come before you this morning and be in your word. God, teach us and train us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Ever heard the phrase, as rich as Croesus? As rich as Croesus, okay it's an old phrase I didn't think there would be many takers on that, but there used to be a phrase as rich as Croesus Croesus was this uh, ruler of the Lydian Empire in six b c so six hundred before six hundred years before Christ uh, the sixth century mind you sorry correction sixth century, and uh, he was a ruler over this and 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 uh and Sardis was the capital of the Lydian Empire. It was, he was known as the richest man of his time. He was renowned for his seemingly unlimited wealth. And it was the earliest known kingdom that actually minted coins, this Lydian Empire. And by the time the apostle John was writing Revelation, Sardis was still a trade center, a rich trade center, known for textiles, dyeing, jewelry, And there's a little picture, I think. uh, Yeah, there's Croesus. And then we got one more. Yeah, we got Sardis, which is about 20 miles southeast of our last church that we covered last week. And uh, there's the city. This is kind of a, a rendition of what it would look like in Roman times. But as you can see, it was a mountainous city. It's set high up on this mountain range. And actually, the, the, the mountain, the kind of craggy mountain range in the background, that used to be where old Sardis used to be and actually where Croesus ruled. There was many earthquakes, and they had to resettle the whole city down in the valley. But anyway, there's a little history. <laughs> but there's, we're going to come back to this history because it actually plays in to what Jesus says to this church. So because of its history and its current state, In the first century, Sardis epitomized complacency, softness, degeneration, and overcompensation. Revelation 3.1, to the angel of the church in Sardis write. So as we said, angel could mean actual angel over the church or the pastor. These are the words of him who holds the seven-fold spirit of God and the seven stars. Now at the beginning of every letter, we've kind of looked and he gives himself a title before every letter. And it's different in every letter. In this letter, he says, He is the one, Jesus is the one who holds the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. Now, what's that sevenfold spirit? Sounds weird, right? Well, actually, it's a reference to a very clear verse in Isaiah 11, 2 that people in the people that were familiar with the Old Testament, they're like, Oh. Seven fear. I know what that's in reference to. That's in reference to a Messiah, a Messianic verse, that when the Messiah comes, he's going to have this type of spirit. And he says here in verse two, and says, "There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse." In other words, Jesse's one of Jesse's sons, and a branch shall grow out of its roots, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel, of might. Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That's what's in reference to this kind of sevenfold spirit. This is who Jesus is. The one who has this spirit in his hands. Wisdom, revelation, counsel, might, fear of the Lord. So Jesus is addressing them. Verse 2, it says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Ooh, Not even in verse 2 yet, and he's dropping the hammer. I know your deeds. You have your reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Tremendous words that we hear from this, but this reputation, you have a reputation for being alive. So maybe the the works that they had done, they had been done, they had They've been executed to please other people, or maybe for notoriety. Maybe they were doing things uh, for the sake of getting a good reputation. Maybe they set out to get, make a name for themselves in the city and lost their connection with God in the process. And yet, as Jesus is peering behind their curtain and is seeing that you're actually dead inside. You're walking around asleep, dead in the sense of being disconnected from the Father. And so Jesus' words are, wake up. Strengthen what remains it is about to die, for I've found your deeds unfinished. Man, there's so much hope in that statement. Your deeds are unfinished. Not that you're done, I'm done with you, but I see you and they're unfinished. There's some more works for you to do. I'm not done with you yet. And these words are straight truth from the living God. And I'm sure that anybody, even the Sardinians, these words would have cut right through them. But specifically for the Sardinians, they will heard this a little bit differently because of their town's history. For see, the history of Sardis has some relevant facts for us. Back to Croesus. Croesus was the last Lydian king in the 6th century. He was the last because King Cyrus II from Persia came came to conquer him and gain his tremendous wealth, the same Cyrus that Daniel advises later in his life. Well, the city of Sardis at the time was perched high up on these mountainous crags, and even in this mountainous valley, these crags to reach the capital were seemingly impossible to climb to traverse one of cyrus's soldiers had noticed a sardinian soldier climb down his slope to receive a, or to retrieve a helmet that he had dropped off this large and during the day they see this soldier scurry down these tall impossible seemingly impossible to traverse walls and they see where he goes and at night cyrus sends his little special unit force to traverse up that in that same pathway and they get all the way up there. No one's guarding the city and they take it over without any skirmish. It's because the Sardinians were so confident in their defenses that they didn't think they needed to even watch. And so they were caught watchless. They were caught, their whole town, was run over by Cyrus because they were not watching. And astonishingly, Sardis does not learn from this experience. It happens again 300 years later in 214 B.C. A Greek Hellenistic king by the name of Antiochus, his soldiers repeated the same feat and again led to the capture of an unguarded city which had resisted siege for a year. They have resisted for a whole year, and then one night, the, guard, the city's unguarded, and they take it over. And so this background accentuates Christ's order to stay awake. Don't be like your ancestors were, that were falling asleep on the night watch. Like, keep watch. Be awake. Return to a state of alertness. You know, on a Navy warship, there's crew members and Troops at their various you know, duties throughout the ship. But when the captain issues the order to come to a state of alertness, battle ready, battle stations ready, everyone rushes. Everyone drops what they're doing and they rush to their battle station because they know that when the heat is on, I've got a task to do and I'm on a, a task to do in the midst of a larger team so we can get something done. And these lines and this heart from God is echoed of being alert, of being awake, of being sober minded. This is echoed all throughout the New Testament. Be watchful. Jesus and his disciples, it just reminds me of Jesus and disciples in the garden. Right before Jesus gets betrayed, Jesus goes to the garden of Gethsemane and spends time with the Father, and he asks his disciples to come and pray with him. And His disciples, he asks his disciples to come pray. He goes off a little by himself, so he has a little privacy. But then an hour later, he comes back, and his disciples are asleep. And he rebukes them. And he says this, couldn't you stay awake and watch with me even an hour? And it was the night that he was getting betrayed. And his disciples, the people that he had trained for three and a half years, are asleep on the very night he gets betrayed. He says, keep alert and pray. Otherwise, temptation will overtake you, for though the spirit is willing, the body is weak. And the Apostle Paul says this, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer. So how do we live life awake? One of the ways the Scriptures teach us how to live life awake is live life awake in prayer, in our communication with God. Prayer Sometimes we religify prayer and that we've got to sound like some old school theologian to approach God or that we feel like we've got to clean up our whole mess before we can actually approach God with any kind of confidence. But the fact remains that we are broken, we are fractured, and only until we come to Jesus will those wounds get healed, will those fractures become mended and we become whole people. And so this all begins with prayer, staying watchful in prayer, being dependent on him. You know, every, the Bible says that every day his mercies new every day, which is kind of like the the picture that comes to mind. It's like, man, you got a blank slate every day to live life in the Lord. And it takes this reliance and dependence upon him because I don't know how to do that. You don't know how to do that. We live decades the world's way. And God is trying to retrain us. What does it look like for a son and daughter of God who's filled with the Holy Spirit, being led by his word? What does that look like? That comes together all in prayer. Communing with God, relying on God. God, this is what I got going on today. God, this is the person I'm meeting. This is the person I'm seeing. God, these are the tasks I got. God, I'm putting it all into your hands for you to supernaturally infuse it with your life. With your strength, with your fruitfulness. Daily communion. Be watchful. Be awake in prayer. And then Peter, another apostle, he kind of got this lesson from the garden. I bet you that was a huge like two by four from Jesus, you know? Like, dude, I totally fell asleep. I'm sorry. Let's try again. And then they he goes off again and they fall asleep again. But anyway, I love the disciples because I. We're in good company. Anyway, 1 Peter 5 says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. One that isn't watching out. One that isn't discerning what's going on. One that is just kind of naive. Gets pounced on. Not just in prayer, but we need to be awake in discernment. How do you live life awake? Well, it's living a life... With discernment, it's having lenses to see how, how God sees things and not how I would want to see things. Or your political party wants to see things. Or this is kind of my mom and dad saw things this way. No, no, no. This is I'm clearing all that out so I can have the discernment of the living God. You have an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. Men and women of God, you and I need the discernment of the Holy Spirit. I read this quote, and it just kind of stuck with me. I'm not even going to comment too much about it, but I want you to read it, because it was kind of like, ooh, that's really good. David Dawkins, a doctor and Ph.D., wrote this. He says, the problem with decent people is that they are naive and project their own values onto others as presumptions. Underrating the enemy is the notorious pitfall. I like that. Assuming that the person you're trusting to bring justice, to bring life, to bring goodness, you assume that their value system's the same as yours. It's not. By far, it's not. So be watchful. Discern what's going on in and around you, in your home, at work. God, open my eyes. God, help me discern what's going on. Help me discern what's going on over my coworkers over my boss. Maybe my boss is having a bad day. Instead of looking at him like an enemy, maybe I need to go to him and serve him as a friend. Anyway, 1 Corinthians 16, another last way to be watchful. Paul says this, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. It's just a simple statement, but I love it. It says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, which means action which means do something. Don't just pray about it. Don't just see it, but actually do something. Be alert. Serve. Be alert. Engage. Be alert. Talk about it. So these are the ways that we can be alert in our prayer, in our discernment, in our action. Let's get back to our letter. Revelation 3.3. Remember, therefore what you've received and heard Hold it fast and repent. Hold it fast and repent. It seems like those two things don't go together. Holding fast is one thing. Repenting seems like another thing. But when I'm holding fast to something, when I'm getting it close, when I'm I'm letting it get close into my heart and into my brain, it's starting to wrestle with some things that I've previously thought wrestle with some things that I previously were, was addicted to or patterns that I was living, ways that my character was being broken and my insecurity kind of being highlighted. But the way, you, the more you cling tightly to this, the more your heart starts lining up and you, and you start realizing, God, that area of my heart, God, that's not of you. That's totally of me. God, I repent. I give that to you and I turn and I move the other way. And as life goes on, as we cling tightly to this, God's spirit will gently, like a good, good father that he is, come and train and teach and coach you to be the man or woman he's made you to be. And it's having this sensitive heart, this this non-calloused, non-numb heart that is responsive to the move of the Holy Spirit. In God's word. So if you've been slumbering, repent. What you've received and heard, hold fast to it. Cling to it. Don't get caught in passivity. Especially you fellas on Father's Day. Come on, let's call out that passivity in one another that we're so prone to. Sometimes we think, oh, I'll just do it next week. What? I'll just do it next year. Man, how many of those projects have you started and you kind of have that, oh, I'll just get to it. How much have you done that with your own life? Oh, I'll just, I'll just make those changes later. Jesus is saying, wake up. Watch out. Time is now. Lastly, Jesus has some words for those who have not fallen asleep. Verse 4, yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They're clean. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but I will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And those who are victorious, he gives white garments. It's, it's a symbol of redemption. The, the sin of the overcomer has been removed from God's sight by being covered with the righteousness of God. The court case has happened, and you've been judged righteous, even though you aren't. And Jesus, even though he's righteous, is judged unrighteous. In that exchange, you get his life in exchange for the pebbles in your pocket, your old life. Your old life that's not worth very much. Be faithful. Don't be indifferent. So as we kind of wrap this up, I mean, I just just kind of think about the areas in your life that you would feel, God, if you were to kind of peel back the curtain on me, where would areas of deadness be? Where would areas that need your life? I feel like God this morning wants you to invite Him into those areas for Him to do what only He can do. Almost as if He wants you to kind of invite him in and stand back and see what he does. To live a life of faith, to say, God, only you can do what I'm asking you to do with this family member, with this heart issue, maybe with this trauma in the past or relationship difficulty. God, I want to live life awake. I want to live life awake in prayer. You know, maybe, maybe God's leaning, maybe, maybe that prayer life needs, maybe that's where your go-to zone is for this next season. Maybe God wants to develop that prayer life so that you live life awake. Or maybe, maybe it's just not walking around with kind of blinders on, not seeing what's going on, not seeing the ideas at play in our culture, not seeing the, the money at play in our culture, or even in our words and actions. So, a great question is, bro, you awake? You awake today, bro? You awake? Not woke. You awake? Huh? You awake? Man, I appreciate when people say that in my life. God, bro, you awake. Man, I don't think I was until you asked me. I appreciate you asking me. Live life awake. We're living in a tremendous Significant time. And I don't know about you, but I am so grateful to God for a body of this this spiritual family that's alive in him. Reliant on him. So let's stay awake. God, help us strengthen what's lacking. God has chosen and called you to rise up and live strong in him. Amen? Amen. So let's not be like Sardis. Overconfident. Content. Asleep at the wheel, for you have been born for such a time as this. Let's pray, let's discern, and let's act together as a team to see God do great things in and through us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your words to Sardis, who God had a history of being asleep. God, you called them out to live life awake, to wake up so, Father, I pray that we would respond to that same call on us, Father, to wake up. God, may you strengthen what needs to be strengthened. Father, we are here, God, because we're solely focused on you. We're not here to make our name great in this city. We don't need everybody to know about city life, but, God, we want everybody to know about King Jesus, about Jesus, who's the Lord of lords and King of kings. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the exact representation of God the Father. If you want to know what the Father looks like, look to Jesus. And so, Father, we just thank you, God, for your Son who came to shed his blood to redeem us and restore us to be your sons and daughters, adopted into your family. And Father, I pray that you would uh, stir this word in our heart this week, that, God, if there's areas that we're asleep, that you would make awake. By your spirit in Jesus name Father I pray that we could relinquish those areas that we may be stubborn to let go of Father reticent and thinking that God in your hands it would be better Father we know that if we put anything in your hand it will bring life you bring life to it so Father I pray that we would place ourselves in your hand today and this week that we would be your people living in your life in jesus name amen amen a little shorter service on father's day enjoy it have a great sunday well we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life god is with you more than you know For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org. And we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.